You're listening to Just Hit Play with your hosts, Peter and Nick Cabral. If you're tired of your stagnant, streamed music feed, then strap yourselves in for an intergenerational sonic journey through Peter and Nick's favorite songs. Welcome to episode 68 of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter. With me is my co-host, Nick. Nick, happy birthday. How is your week going? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Feels good to be 22. My Taylor Swift year. Yep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's it's been good. I've had a hectic week or so just with moving uh, my house in Toronto and starting at a new school, new program. It's it's been a lot, but things are certainly finally starting to settle down a bit. So happy about that. Yeah, that's always the the weird thing about your birthday. It, it's always around when school starts. So it's it must be have these mixed emotions for you of having your birthday, which is fun, but then having to go to school, which isn't always that much fun. Yeah, it's it's always a turbulent time. Uh, yeah, to say the least. And yeah, like it was my birthday was on the first day of school this year. So I, I felt like I couldn't even really enjoy it that much because I was taking yeah. care of so much and then I had to go to Walmart and Ikea with my roommates to like get furniture for our house. So I, I can say though, I, I spent my, the evening of my birthday in an Ikea cafeteria <laughs> eating hot dogs and, and Nordic uh, fruit water. Sure. So, uh, yeah. That, that was like a moment of being, of, of having the thought that I'm now old because that's how I spent my birthday. Yeah. A lot of, a lot more responsibilities, I guess, now that you're a, a grad student. Yeah. Yep, yeah. and I also didn't really understand the meaning of what it when an apartment is unfurnished until <laughs> until we got here and I went to go take a shower and there were no shower curtains. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's really unfurnished. It's unfurnished. Okay. And how do you find uh, living downtown Toronto? It's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Everything is just so close. Uh, I 15 minute walk here in the city is completely different from a 15 minute walk in the suburban towns I've lived in my whole life. Uh, It's just fantastic. Honestly, it's funny. And and I wish I was smarter because I'm definitely not smarter, but the song I picked for you is about, you know, the, um, the hatred of big cities and the, the joy of living in small towns, which is, which is quite ironic. I wish I had planned that out, but I hadn't, this is totally uh, coincidental that, that I picked this song for this week. I know it, it aligns pretty well though. I like how it yeah. matches up with, with what I've yeah. been going through recently. Cool. And uh, before we get into our music, let's uh, talk to our sound engineer in Brisbane. Darren, how you doing? I'm doing good. A little bit cool. rainy, but good. Yeah. A soft rain is falling outside. It's a little bit cooler today, which is brilliant. Um, yeah. This is the weather, the kind of weather that I like. Good stuff. Yeah. I love that weather too. How's it? How's everything there? Is it starting to cool down? Yes and no. It's still got the heat, but uh, it's not unbearable uh, as it was earlier in August. So can't complain. Well, I'll be there in November. Uh, I'm going home to Canada for the month of November. So we'll have to figure out um, a time for me to hang out with you. I'll probably just get a hotel room downtown somewhere and then we can um, record the podcast in uh, in your new place. Yeah, live in person. Yeah, that'd be that'd be weird, but fun. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Yeah, I hope the audience too. is too. For us yeah. in the same room. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Jeez. We we can uh, you know instead of having to do verbal and so, so when the audio works, sorry, when the video works, having video cues, we can just uh, you know be two feet from each other. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you ready to get into some music? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so for this month, uh, I came to the decision that I was playing you too many hits. Uh, that I was playing too many recognizable songs. And I wanted to change it up a little bit and play some songs that were a little bit more esoteric, a little bit more, uh, not so much as hits, but just really cool songs from artists that I particularly love. And uh, one of my favorite artists ever is Nick Cave. And one of my favorite songs by Nick Cave is a song called God is in the House. So we're gonna listen to that. So Darren, just hit play. We've laid the cables and the wires We've split the wood and stoked the fires We've lit out town so there is no place 
them to hide Our little church is painted white so there's a few seconds of God is in the House by Nick Cave. One of my favorite Nick Cave songs. Not a big hit by any stretch of the imagination from Nick Cave. Um, but tell me what you thought of the song. I like this song a lot. It's got a chill, uh, relaxing vibe to it with the keys and the, and the strings. Really beautiful instrumental. That's, that's probably my biggest takeaway other than the, the lyricism of the song. It's just a really pleasant nice song uh, sonically mm. um, and then the once you get into the lyrical side of things which obviously is uh, the point with Nick Cave mm. uh, some really really interesting stuff and interesting perspectives he's talking about and I feel like I picked up on like the main message and theme of the song but I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about it and maybe some more context in the song yeah um, I think it's one of those songs um about how we sort of romanticize living in small towns and and how perfect they are and um how big cities are sort of like you know frightening and there's a lot more crime which is all true um but but i think the line god is in the house and one day uh, he'll come out uh, is a really telling line and it's 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 pretty much i think it's closer to the end of the song um because if you're waiting for god to come out you might be waiting a bit of time um yeah, I just think it idealizes small town living. And it's funny, as I've gotten older, uh, I've definitely enjoyed spending more time in rural sort of settings and not so much big cities. I, I Recently I did a, not recently, a couple of years ago, we did a road trip through American Canada. And we went like through Denver and Seattle, which is probably the bigger cities we were in. And while those were fine, we definitely did enjoy the time in like the mountains and off the off the beaten path. Uh, so I, I think I'm falling under that category too. As I get a little bit older, I'm sort of enjoying being away from cities. So I wonder if that if he was going through a little bit of that himself when he wrote this song. Yeah, I that's essentially what I got from the song too. Just the, the us versus them mentalities as well, and thinking that uh, sort of the opposite of the grass is always greener. Like everything's perfect where mm. we are, and everywhere else is bad. I think yeah. it's just a really good job of putting the cl- sort of closed-minded thinking that can fester in small towns because it really does act like an echo chamber when you're in a small community. That thinking, I think, is is really prominent in this song. What I thought Nick Cave did really well is similar to Tom Waits. He does a very good job of using his vocal inflections to put meaning uh, behind what what the lyrics are. Mm -hmm. Like you can almost hear that he's like smirking or sneering as he says these things. It's very tongue in cheek and sarcastic almost. It's uh, really cool and gives the song like that, that extra few layers of meaning beyond the surface level. Yeah. There's there's a couple of interesting things about living in small towns. Like you, some small towns have such strict codes of conduct. Like your house can only be painted a certain color. Uh, you can't have certain things on your lawn um, just to keep up with aesthetics. Um, and then in a weird fact that I that that I found out a few years ago is that people who tend to vote for the Green Party and the Green Party is pretty prominent in here in Australia and where you are in Canada all live in cities. Not many people who vote green live in small towns. They tend to vote very democratic or very conservative, mostly conservative. Um, Yeah, so it's a really weird dichotomy of living in the city, but yet yearning for environment uh, by voting green. Uh, And then living in these small towns and really voting a lot of times more conservative because you want those really conservative values. Like, you know, if if we look at the tropes of being a conservative, you're tough on crime and and for free markets and things like that. So I always find that dichotomy a little bit interesting. Well, I think what the quote unquote small town mentality is a lot of the time is uh, tradition and keeping up appearances. Yeah. which is very well refl- reflected in the lyrics of the song talking about painting everything white and just how everything is meant to be really put together and it's like you said about the standards for buildings and everything the codes of conduct it's all just really about appearances mm. and living in small towns uh, it's there's so much gossip everybody knows everybody and rumors fly and if 
if one person does something to sort of stray from the way things are yeah. quote unquote supposed to be, everyone knows and you get shunned for it or uh, looked at differently. Mm. And so there's just not as much room for conflicting opinions uh, in, in really small rural towns in yeah. my experience. Well, growing up in Streetsville, Streetsville was a very, very small town when I grew up. Um, Streetsville is a, is a town in, in a city called Mississauga. While Mississauga itself was a pretty big city, Streetsville felt like this little, tiny, little, little town. Um, and you, you sort of grew up almost knowing everybody and not being there, not being much traffic in, uh, you know, the corner stores where everyone sort of went to get, you know, their, you know, their fast products, you know, maybe a loaf of bread or milk. Um, yeah, it's, I grew up, I feel like I grew up in a small town, even though I grew up in a city of like 500,000 people. Um, it, it, it felt that way growing up. Yeah, and I'm sure you experienced that a little bit of um, elitism or or pretentiousness in the sense of, uh, well, we're just a smaller, close-knit community and we've got yeah. uh, these values and the tradition and we don't have the issues of a big city. Um, yeah, I feel like, and, and I'm just strictly shooting from the hip here, but I feel like there might almost be a bit of an inferiority complex in smaller towns. Absolutely. And just yeah. the need to always compare yourself to the big cities and say, oh, yeah. well, you know, sure, they have all these amenities and things to do and fun things and bars and uh, restaurants and attractions, but we don't have crime. And mm. our lawns are always nicely manicured and yeah. our houses are painted the same color and we value God. So yep. we've got it better. I love the lyric, the line in the song where uh, we breed all our kittens white so you can see them in the night. I love that line. Yeah. It's so clever. It's a, it's pretty brilliant. Uh, a little uh, line from Nick Cave. Uh, right, and they have not a, prejudiced no, a woman. Yeah, they have a pretty little square. They have a, 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 a mare, a woman for a mare. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so is, Nick Cave's, yeah, go ahead, Nick, sorry. Just agreeing with you. It's very yeah. clever songwriting and lyricism. Yeah. Um, we talked last week about how Tom Waits probably couldn't, would be a homeless person if he wasn't in the arts. I think that applies a lot to Nick Cave as well. Nick Cave is a very interesting man, has been in a band since like the late 70s till today. Um, you know, he's had his addictions. He's been an alcoholic. He's had heroin addictions and, and things like that. He seems to be clean now. Um, and Old Testament religion is, plays a big part in a lot of his music. Uh, music. He he seems to be on a search a little bit for God. He he writes a lot about God in his in his music. Now, have you ever heard anything by Father John Misty? No, the, I can't say I have. This song reminded me, and everything about Nick Cave in, in this song, so much of Father John Misty's music, and yeah. uh, that's. Uh, spoiler, but that's who you're listening to next week. Cool. But Looking forward just to it. the, the piano-driven ballad and um, existentialism, which is, I've gathered is a very big theme in Nick Cave's music, is searching for is. meaning yeah. and fulfillment and questioning uh, aspects of religion and, and God. Uh, all really cool themes that can be done so well uh, in music. And when they're done really well, are special. Uh, otherwise they come off as trite or uninspired, mm. but yeah. it's, it's to me really impressive how Nick Cave talks about these themes and the subject matter. Um, and he does so in a bit more of an accessible way than Tom Waits, which I do appreciate. Yeah. He's that voice is amazing. The, the baritone of, of um, Nick Cave is, is pretty outstanding. When I first, my first Nick Cave song I'd ever heard, I was so um, taken by his voice, uh, even before I got into his music or the lyrics or him as a person, it was the voice that, that sort of uh, got me first. Yeah. I, my first Nick Cave song was red right hand from Peaky Blinders soundtrack. And yeah just such such a immediately distinctive song because of his voice it's so gravelly yeah. and uh rough almost because of how deep it is and very expressive very emotive his voice yeah one of the interesting things about nick cave too is he refuses to accept um any awards or any award nominations um he is so afraid his ego will be um Take, his ego will take over and the muse will disappear if he delves into accepting awards or accepting award nominations that it refuses any type of uh, anything like that, which I always found quite interesting. 
I wish Kanye felt the same way about <laughs> those things. Yeah, I don't think that, uh, that's, that's a thing at the moment, is it? No, and uh, probably never will be, but no. very admirable and smart of him because. Yeah, um, and he, yeah, we've seen he that got go poorly for artists. Yeah, he got nominated for an MTV Music Award for a song he did with Kylie Minogue, and he wrote a letter saying why he wasn't accepting the nomination. And Kylie Minogue read the letter because he wouldn't even read his own letter on air. And it was a brilliant response. He was so worried that the muse would leave him that he that he couldn't accept anything. And he just had to stay an artist and not be concerned about commercial success. Yeah, that's so admirable for me because while I can say that I would like to be the same way if I was in his position. Um, it's tough. If I was yeah. an artist. Yeah, it's, I feel like I would want to enjoy that feeling of validation and fulfillment right? That's, that's the thing. It's, I feel like it'd be very hard for anyone to say that they would stick to the same morals as Nick Cave. Um, so Nick Cave is a playwright. He's written books. Um, he's acted in movies. Obviously he's done a lot of soundtrack work. I think he's scored a few movies. So he is really an artist, um, in every way. And I'm so happy that we have people like Nick Cave around to, push the envelope and not so much worry about commercial success. Now it's obviously it's easy to not worry about commercial success when you have commercial success. I get the irony of that. Um, but I like the fact that the art comes first and he just has to um, make sure that it's on a high level and it's not tripe or, or bad. Um, I've, there's not a single Nick Cave song that I dislike. I think he's, it's so authentic and, and, aesthetically pleasing that i i love nick cave so much well i'm really happy you shared your love of him uh with me because i've liked everything i've heard by him and i really would like to listen to uh more of his music but my issue is he's got so many albums i don't know where to start with this guy yeah well this is from an album called uh, no more shall we part which was his 11th album and it came out in the year 2001 so that was a long time ago. You were you were just uh, one years old. So um, he's got a, a lot of albums since 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 then. Um, and he wrote uh, he had a song a few years ago called uh, "Dig Lazarus." I think it's called "Dig Lazarus Dig," which is about Lazarus coming back to life and how he's kind of he was kind of pissed off about it that he that Jesus uh, resurrected him because uh, he was I think he was nice and happy and and peaceful. Uh, so it's a pretty funny song too. So uh, yeah, even. That song I love, and you know he's probably in his sixties now, and he's still, you know, recording some amazing music. Damn, yeah, that again, that even that longevity is really impressive too. You don't see that uh, the longevity and consistency too often. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I I think I was getting a little tired of just showing you hits. Um, I wanted to change it up a little bit, and the song we have for you next week is by a huge artist, but hopefully. A song by this huge artist that you've never heard of. So, uh, before we get into your song, unless there's anything else you wanted to say about Nick Cave, no, nope. no, nope, nope. I think uh, I think I'm good on that. All right, uh, Darren, what did you think of the Nick Cave song? Yeah, I didn't mind it. Cool. All right, so let's get into some future. Talk, tell us, tell us all about future. Yes, uh, I can't wait to to talk to you about future because the song that I've got you to listen to this week. Um, I expect that this would be a, a bit of a challenge for you. It's definitely very, uh, very different from a lot of the hip hop songs. It's it's got strong trap elements, um, some questionable lyrics at times, but I think it's a timeless song. It's one of Future's all time best, my personal favorite, and really just a crowning achievement in his discography. And um, I don't know if you'd heard of Future before this song, but I had, he's yeah. one. Of yeah, he's one of the most popular uh, rappers, artists in, in the industry right now. And uh, this is a really spacey, atmospheric song. It tells the story of a man who's been driven to rock bottom and how he copes with that. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's just a great song. And Darren, why don't you just hit play on Cody and Crazy? Cody and Crazy. Yeah. 
Pourin' bubbly, pourin' bubbly, pour that bubbly, pour that bubbly, pour that bubbly. We don't went through too much. Hear me? Pour that bubbly, train that mother, train that. Okay, coding crazy from Future's uh, Monster mixtape. What did you think of this song? What are your thoughts? And uh, what would you like to have explained? Because <laughs> I'm sure you have some questions. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what I liked about the song first, and then I'll mention my one critique of the song. Uh, really good song. Uh, I'd say the what he's singing about has affected a lot of people that might be going through a tough time. Um, I read the comments on YouTube, and a lot of people stated how they were going through a bit of a tough time, and they listened to the song. Uh, and it sort of helped them through that tough time. And it sounds like the singer's going through a bit of a tough time, as you alluded to in your in the introduction. Um, my one critique, and, and again, as a hip hop song, I think it's one of the better ones that you've shown me. My one critique is when I heard the opening, uh, opening parts of the song, I was kind of hoping it was going to get a little bit more fucked up. Um, I, I kind of hoped that like we'd have some a little something a little bit more crazy, maybe uh, like a bridge or some weird instruments. Um, it was in the end, it still stayed quite a linear song. Uh, it was him rapping over a beat. I was uh, just a little bit of me. I was hoping it was going to get a little fucked up. Well, now that I know that, because <laughs> let, let me tell you this. Well, yeah. I think this is Future's best song. Uh, he's got some some other ones that are really experimental, a lot more experimental than this. Yeah. So that's good to know for the future, uh, pun intended. Yeah. And <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go into Future's backstory first because yep, it's, do it. it's something like this. This song is, I think, regarded so highly because of the context of it and who Future is. Uh, basically, he's from Atlanta, and he came up in the Dungeon Family Collective, which is a group of hip-hop artists that, at various points, has included Outkast, Goody Mob, Killer Mike, and all of their affiliates. So Future was a part of the second generation of the Dungeon Family, Outkast being in the first generation. And that's where he was working for uh, the first six, seven years of his career. Just working with these guys, these really fantastic rappers, and making a name for himself in Atlanta. Uh, and then finally got a major label deal in 2011, and in the last 11 years has completely skyrocketed to becoming one of the most popular and best-selling hip-hop artists. Um, and one thing that's cool about Future is he's considered a pioneer for trap. Mm. Uh, just his sounds and what he's done for, for trap music, he really pushed the boundaries and pushed the envelope for it. Where in 2014, this song was groundbreaking, just for right. the different sounds and techniques. Yeah, um, I like the fact that he was the only artist on, on the song. It was his vision and, and uh, everything that had to be said was said by him. Um, I don't know if he does features, but it sounds like he's a hip-hop artist. So he's probably featured on other songs, and a lot of hip-hop artists have featured on his songs. Uh, but I do like the fact that um, he had a clear vision for the song, and, and it was a very, it's a very personal song. You can tell that from, you can tell that right away. Yeah. So Future, he's absolutely, like you said, a hip-hop artist. He does have features on some of his music, but this song occupies a very important place in his career and the mixtape it's from as well he future is thought of as having one of the best runs in, in hip-hop music of all time because he released this mixtape monster in october 2014 uh, the one that coding crazy's from and this was the beginning of him redefining his career in his own terms he used to be this major label pop uh, ringtone rapper sort of right and when this mixtape came out it only had one feature it wasn't uh, available commercially it was a free mixtape only had one feature on 11 songs uh, that being a little lame and this song was uh, the outro on it and it sort of marked this huge turning point in future's career where he as you said started executing his vision for his yeah. music 
he was pushing the sounds he wanted and he really focused it on making a certain type of music. So this mixtape came out in October and then in January he released another mixtape uh, that was also critically acclaimed, did very well. Uh, two months later in March he released another mixtape which was also incredible and then in July of 2015, so again a few months later, he released his magnum opus album it's called dirty sprite 2 if you look up uh, a list of, of from publications of best trap albums of all time dirty sprite 2 is always going to be up there and then in september of that year a few months after july he released a collab album with drake that was like number one for months and months on yeah. end so that's a pretty impressive year for any artist really right yeah that, that's a pretty good output, especially when we talk about, you know, artists not having that much of an output when it comes to music anymore. It seems to be years in, in between projects. Yeah, no doubt. And it, it really helped him take over and uh, catapulted him. And like I said, reinvented his career. And part of that is uh, Future identified his own lane, his own vision of music and he's considered a pioneer because the way he, he takes the traditional lyrics of like what we think about trap music, like flexing money, cars, women, drug dealing, uh, all very prominent in his music, but it's the production that he uses. It's so futuristic and atmospheric. And the production also, when it comes to his voice is something really cool. Uh, and I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, the auto tune that he uses. Well, that is in my notes. I was gonna, I was about to bring that up. <laughs> it yeah, sounded so to me, obviously, there was some auto tune on on this track, but it also sounded to me at the beginning that it it was is his vocals slowed down a little bit, or is that him? Okay, excellent question. It, fe- that's- it felt like they were just a little bit slow. Well, that kind of brings me to the, the main ethos of, of Future, yeah. which is uh, he is all about um, raw emotion, raw feeling, and uh, lean <laughs> being the other thing. Do you know what lean yeah. is? No. So lean is the, the nickname for um, the drink that is made when one combines codeine, uh, prescription <laughs> okay. cough yeah. with yeah. Uh, Sprite and jolly ranchers and it's it's a purple beverage comes you drink it in two styrofoam cups okay and especially at the time uh in atlanta and the south lean uh was an epidemic i mean still is it's yeah. it's you're drinking an opioid basically and basically sort yeah. of became futures trademark in a way um he's got tons of songs talking about it he's got albums named after dirty sprite mm. and What's cool is he he manipulates his vocals uh, to really sound drugged out. And that's why at times it sounds a bit slow, robotic, um, yeah. stiff. It's it's really to emulate that sort of drugged out, leaned out, um, hazy feeling. Yeah, which is great because there should be an exper- experimentation into, into music and whether, and whether you add vocal effects to your songs. And to be writing about drugs, obviously, is big in the hip hop community, but it's in modern music. That is pretty much what modern music, uh, you know, is. There's a lot of songs written about about drugs, so it's it's following a long list of uh, of music about that. No doubt, Future just became yeah. the lean rapper. He <laughs> right. Yeah. He, he established himself as as the the guy that raps about lean, and did yeah. it very well. Well, when we talked about the Manchester scene and and the hacienda. Uh, and the and the early rave scene, it, it was it was music to to take drugs to 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 drop acid to or MDMA or whatever. So yeah, that there's a long line of um, of music that that fits in a very specific drug lane. Absolutely, and that's a yeah. a really crazy connection. I'm not sure if anyone's ever drawn a connection between the Manchester house scene and and future, but I love it because you're so yeah. right, really yeah. yeah. And I must say, I when I first listened to Future in 2015 i had a hard time with it because i was used to uh rappers like kendrick kanye childish gambino chance the rapper who are a bit more traditional um Mm. and so when i heard future with tons and tons of auto-tune and uh, vocal effects i was like 
I didn't know what to think about it, and it had to grow on yeah. me. And I think what's important to note about Future is he doesn't use autotune to make himself sing better, to make himself sound like a better singer. And he actually, this is um, from an interview he did. He said uh, he doesn't do it to make him sound like a better singer. It's to convey raw emotion and feeling and it allows him to stretch and deteriorate his vocals and, and just make it sound number one, different, number two, cool. And number three, how he's feeling when he's recording the song, which is all cool stuff. I think, even if it's polarizing. Well, when I mentioned earlier that I was, I, I was kind of hoping the song was going to get a little bit fucked up and, and a little bit weird. Um, I think experimentation, and we talked about this earlier, experimentation is really important. Uh, I watch a lot of videos of, you know, people your age hearing the Beatles for the first time or, um, you know, David Bowie or Queen or whatever. And I got into this little thing of watching people your age listening to A Day in the Life by the Beatles. And I think you know that song. And and the, the big thing about Day in the Life, there's a huge instrumental break. And the song completely shifts from John Lennon's dreamy vocals to Paul McCartney waking up in the morning when the alarm goes off and running for the bus. And there's such a big change between those two songs. And the confusion over people's faces when that happens is quite interesting to me because I think songs now... Um, and again, I'm generalizing, don't, don't get me wrong, but uh, songs now have a very linear um, feel to them, where I think back in the day, the Beatles, obviously the Beatles were the most successful band of all time. They could experiment and, you know, and they didn't have to play these songs live because they stopped being a live band. So they could definitely do whatever they wanted in the studio. But the experimentation is really important. So I'm glad that that you brought up that Future is that is that person where, he, you know, he, he experiments with his music, which is great. He absolutely does. And I think that's why he's so highly regarded uh, for in his lane. Now, as time has gone on, he's still on his albums. He'll still have a, a bunch of songs that are definitely more commercially geared uh, and aren't as experimental. Yeah. I don't think he'll ever return to the peak that he was at when, when he went on the run I was talking about the, from mm. October 2014 to September 2015. That was just... Uh, a musician in his prime. Like if we want to right. talk about uh, just pure quality of his output in that time, it was like um, Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, how he had that prime. <laughs> he did have that good, good four years. Yeah. Yeah. He was just absolutely like one of the best on the planet. And then yeah. it didn't last very long, but no. he was the best player of all time for that period. Yeah. That's what future is like. And if you talk to people who are fans of him in this run, it's like, they get misty eyed and thinking back about these three mixtapes and two albums. Um, but one last thing I wanted to touch on on this yeah. song is, as you said, he's talking about uh, personal struggles, right? Issues on this song, um, mm -hmm. emotions and feelings. And that's really rare for future, especially at this point in his discography. Uh, he has always had this reputation of being the poster child for toxicity and making bad decisions and being involved in drug dealing and, and doing mm. drugs and all of these things. Uh, vulnerability is not a word anyone would ever associate with future until he made this right. song. And this, this mixtape as a whole, honestly, the, the mixtape is very vulnerable and that's because it came right after his breakup with uh, Ciara the, the artist, um, yep. Russell Wilson's wife, apparently. Yep. So they were uh, engaged. Future and Ciara had a very bad breakup, and then he made this album. And so when you get to Cody and Crazy, uh, the outro on the album, and it's just so raw and vulnerable and talking about his issues and this breakup how he's using substances and carnal pleasures to drown his sorrows, his, his yeah. battles with addiction. Uh, it's so rare, not just for future, uh, but for the genre as a whole to hear yeah. this level of vulnerability. And I think that's what makes it so special, so memorable, and what makes it really resonate with people, as it did in the YouTube comments for the song. Mm. Yeah, yeah, soul music to me um, can 
can expand many different genres. I don't think soul music, to me, re strictly represents soul sound in music. I think soul music is anytime an artist opens up and reveals something about themselves. So the, and this, so this would mean that this song would fit in my criteria for soul music. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, I think it's just a really big milestone song in, in the genre. Because when you think of other trap artists, they're not going to make a song like this, uh, right. where they admit that they struggle with addiction and that they know that these drugs are killing them. Uh, I mean, Future literally says in the song, drowning an activist, which is a codeine brand, mm -hmm. drowning an activist suicide. I'm an addict. I can't even hide it. Um, he's being real, which is rare in a genre that is so focused on uh, flexing and about your image and appearing macho all of these things that are not associated with honesty yeah. and introspection. And I think for people who like we, when we listen to music, we listen to it um, to reflect how we're feeling, to help us cope with how we're feeling. But if someone only ever listens to trap music, that's the only genre they like, they would never get that sort of feeling from music until they heard yeah. coding crazy by future. And now all of a sudden they hear an artist talk about their problems, their addictions, their struggles in life. Um, and maybe they think, wait, he's human too. This artist that I idolize, he's, he's human. He struggles with things. He's not perfect. And it's okay that he's not perfect. Right. I think that's a really important message. Um, and in other genres, it doesn't apply because there's more honesty and, and vulnerability in there other are. types of music by default. Yeah. Not in trap music. And I think that's why the song resonates so much with a lot of people. All right. For educational purposes, can you please uh, briefly explain trap music? <laughs> Absolutely. So trap is a trap is yeah. a subgenre of hip hop uh, based yeah. in the South. And it's really all about fast paced beats, uh, highly focused around synthetic drums and when you think trap music or when I think trap music, I think uh, really heavy 808s, like booming bass mm -hmm. kick drums and those really fast, uh, rapid hi-hats. Um, right. Stuff that would just rattle a car as it drives past um, and a heavy focus on melody and rhythm over uh, writing, like your pen game. Um Lyricism takes a back seat to just how does it sound? Can you vibe to it? Does it flow well? That's trap music. And very different than the LA sound or the California sound or the New York sound. Very different. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think more lyrical when I think of those sounds. Trap music is um, much more so about just enjoying the sonics. Um, definitely not as lyrical. I think of artists like Young Thug and Gunna, um, who we, we did an episode on. Yeah. Uh, guys like that. The, they, they embody trap music. And that's the great thing about hip-hop, really, is that while you have the New York sound and the, and the L.A. sound that sort of can dominate people's thoughts of what hip-hop is, you have the Southern sound, you have trap, you have you know artists coming out of New Orleans, you have artists coming out of Florida. Um, you know, there's so much different dialects, and I'll, I'll use that expression. Of, of hip hop music. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it is very much like a dialect. It's just so many sub genres and I could rant for days about how antiquated uh, the, the name hip hop is, or that mm. the genre has become way too broad uh, to adequately describe the music. Sure. But that's, a, that's, that's a subject for another, another episode. <laughs> of course. Yeah. We can definitely get into that in, in future episodes. Uh, should we ask Darren what he thought of the song? Sure. Darren, what'd you think? Yeah, not really for me. Cool. I figured, but uh, it's, yeah. it's a really good song. Uh, tell me about your song for next week. Yeah. So for next week, uh, as I said, we're going to delve into Father John Misty. And mm. it's going to be a song called Total Entertainment Forever. Uh, I think you're going to love it. It's a sad, drunk man sitting at a piano. Cool. Singing about the world like the sound of that um and you're gonna listen to a david bowie song called nice. i'm afraid of americans i don't know if you know this song no i know young americans no 
Um, and this features, it features someone, it features Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. So there you go. It's my first feature. Wow, milestone. Yeah. I'm excited so again, this I is a song. Yeah, this is a song uh, a little bit later in Bowie's career, obviously not before he died, but maybe 10, 10, 10 15 years ago uh, when, when this song was released. Uh, and one of my one of my favorite David Bowie songs. Awesome. I can't wait. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. No, it's a, it's a great song. Cool. Um, let's get into This Week in Movie History. This Week in Movie History. So previously in other episodes, we did This Week in Music History, but um, and when we play a number one song from my year of birth, 1973, and then we play a number one song from Nick's year of birth, which is the year 2000. But that quickly came around, so we couldn't do that one anymore. So instead, uh, we're doing uh, what the number one movie was in 1973 and what the number one movie was in the year 2000. And we we have two very interesting movies, uh, two movies I've never seen and two movies I've never heard of. Um, the one in 1973 is called Lady Kung Fu. Um, and it's a it's a Hong Kong movie. And I'll explain to you after Darren plays a little bit of the trailer of why this was the number one movie in America. So Darren, just there's no soundtrack to this. I couldn't find a soundtrack. So let's play a little bit of the trailer. <laughs> Here comes the lethal lady of Kung Fu, Hong Kong Hellcat. So the, the trailer of the of this movie is just about her just kicking ass. And she has really long hair and she has knives in her hair. And so she whips it around and, and, and cuts people with her hair, which is pretty, pretty funny. Um, so why did a, a movie, a low budget movie from Hong Kong, be the number one movie in America in 1973 this week. Do you have any idea why that might be? God, I have no idea. Like that's, I, I did not think martial arts movies uh, crossed over that early. Okay. There's a very specific reason. Um, Bruce Lee died in July of 1973. Oh. And thus entered into the most prolific Kung Fu phase in American cinema history where you had enter the dragon came out a month after he had died and made $200 million, which would be equivalent to today's money of $2 billion at the box office. Oh my God. It was like Kung Fu movies at this time were absolutely huge. And what does Hollywood love? They love making a buck. They sure do. So that's when they got all these other Kung Fu movies from Hong Kong come in and they just, put them up in cinemas and that's why lady kung fu was the number one movie in 1973 at this week you said she had knives in her hair that sounds sick yeah yeah she has like these knives in her hair and she does in the trailer i haven't seen the movie i just saw this in the trailer and she sort of whips her hair around and and uses her hair as a weapon which is pretty funny nice i'm gonna have to check out the trailer yeah pretty good and in the year 2000 another movie i never heard of before called the watcher starring keanu reeves and uh, james spader um darren just play <laughs> there's a funny story to this movie so just play uh, the one of the songs off the soundtrack which is by uh white zombie So what's that? I don't even know what that song is called. What's that song called there? How to Make a Monster. How to Make a Monster. Okay. So um, I'd never heard of this movie, so I did a quick look up to see what it was about. So Keanu Reeves plays a serial killer, uh, and James Spader plays a cop, which is a bit of a weird one. I, I When I first read it, I thought James Spader would be the serial killer and Keanu Reeves would be the cop, but it's the reverse. And James Spader can't find out who the serial killer is, so he quits the police force and moves to a small town. And then Keanu Reeves follows him to the small town and starts killing people the same way in the town that James Spader has moved into to sort of taunt him. Now, the weird thing about this movie is that Keanu Reeves never wanted to make this movie, but his assistant forged his signature on the contract. And instead of fighting, fighting a legal battle to get out of it, he just decided to do the movie. That's crazy. Like, surely yeah. he fired that assistant immediately, right? I'm guessing that happened, yeah. Uh, but I'd never heard of this movie, and it was the number one movie this week uh, in the year 2000. Fair enough. Yeah, I never heard of it either, but I wonder if it's any good. I, I might have to check it out. It sounds interesting. Um, again, I would have reversed those two roles because 
you know, James Spader is a bit of a, you know, a bit of a weirdo and Keanu Reeves yes. more plays the, the hero, I guess, the good guy. Yeah. It's a bit different. Um, that's pretty much the end of the podcast. What are you guys up to for the rest of the week? Well, uh, I'm going to music festival this weekend. Um, Who's playing? It's uh, so it's called Rolling Loud, and it's an entirely hip hop music festival. Uh, it's at Ontario Place, and I'm seeing a lot of my favorite artists actually for the first time, like Lil Uzi Vert uh, on Friday, uh, who he did Neon Guts, which he liked. Um, yeah, yep, I liked Uzi. And then I'm yep. seeing. I'm seeing future uh, headline on Saturday night. He's closing out the festival. Well, day two of the festival. So that's going to be cool. And yeah, there's even rumors that your favorite uh, Drake will show up. Oh, given that it's in, happening in his backyard. It is. Yeah. I'd leave if, if that happened. <laughs> Hope people boo when they think it's Kendrick supposed to be coming out or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think that'll happen in Toronto, but we'll see. We'll see. And, uh, but and the great thing about you living downtown now is technically you could walk home. Yeah, it, it is at the Ontario place. So it'd be it's a bit, a bit far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's nice to not have to worry about taking the GO train back or yeah. having to get a hotel. I can just take the streetcar back to my house. Cool. Um, I have the weekend off, thankfully. So I have literally nothing going on this weekend. So I might hang out with Darren tomorrow if the weather is okay. We wanted to do some photography tomorrow, but it might rain, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Darren, other than maybe tomorrow, what are you up to for the rest of the week? No, just editing. Cool. Um, we have a really indep- interesting independent artist this week. His name is Oktaf Kanis, and I hope I'm saying that right. He's from Indonesia. So we're going to listen to some Ind- Indonesia uh, rock and roll, which is fantastic. I think one of the reasons why I like this podcast so much is because you know, we've heard bands from Australia, Canada, America, Northern Ireland. We, hit, we listen to a punk band from Italy, and now we're listening to someone from Indonesia. Like, how cool is that? Like, that's a pretty good range of different artists that we're listening to. It's really a, a global podcast we've got here, isn't it? Yeah. It's super cool. And the song we're listening to is is called Coming from the Dark Side. So this is Octav Canis with Coming from the Dark Side. And gentlemen, we will talk to you next week. I've got mine for my life. Open the door, nobody wanna make a roll She likes to hold me I know she's number four, she's wanna play the ball She can't take me She's
listening to just hit play to contact your hosts peter and nick or to be featured on an episode as musical talent email just hit play 7300 at gmail.com keep up to date with news and announcements by following on instagram and facebook linked in the show notes subscribe on your favorite podcatcher to tune in next week for more sonic delights and if you can't wait till then check out the just hit playlist on spotify linked in the show notes A special thanks to Braden Munch for the theme song and thank you for listening.